What's up, dudes? This is Charred with the Spokes and Chugs podcast, and I'm here on January the 20th of 2023. Going to do a quick little talk about um, the upcoming UFC card, the pay-per-view with Glover Teixeira fighting Jamal Hill. Strangely, for a light heavyweight belt, because Jiri is a um, really live in the Bushido code shit and decided to vacate because he messed up his shoulder um because apparently his uh his shoulder popped out and then all his buddies in the gym were like we know how to pop a shoulder back in and then just like made it way worse so now the fight is jamal hill which is just strange because i suspect that's just who was available in the top 10 because jamal hill's last win that he apparently earned this with was a fight with Tiago Santos, which Tiago has had a dramatic fall from grace. Um, after the John Jones loss, that you know, some people think he won, blah blah blah, whatever. It, that's beside the point. After that fight, he has had one win in his last five. It was one win in his last six, really, if you include the John Jones fight. And the win is a horribly boring decision win against Johnny Walker, in which almost nothing happened. And it was, like, touted as possibly the worst fight of 2021. So, yeah, hmm, yeah, that's a... The thing is, at the end of the day, Jamal Hill, what's the best wrestler he's fought? Like, actually. OSP? I guess? Because, like, Paul Craig's not a good wrestler. Paul Craig just is a guy who recklessly throws up submissions from the bottom and happens to be very good at triangles. Um, and other weird shit from the bottom that sometimes works. The uh, Nikita Krylov fight is genuinely hilarious. Um, in which Paul Craig is just getting the shit beat out of him on bottom for a lot of that fight. And then he goes, oh yeah, I was just like, I was kind of encouraging Krilov to just throw some punches more. So I like loosened up so he would and give him the opportunity, give me the opportunity to throw the triangle up. Like Paul Craig just straight up said like, oh no, like I just was letting him hit me. And, you know, awesome. I love that. But also, it's really stupid. It's a genuinely, like, awful way to fight. <laughs> um, and that's kind of the story Paul Craig had with Jamal Hill as well. In which Paul Craig, like, horribly destroyed Jamal Hill's arm slash elbow slash shoulder. Um, oh yeah, that's a thing worth mentioning. On this card, Paul Craig is fighting. And Paul Craig has beaten the guy who's fighting for the belt. And if you know anything about Paul Craig's fights, you know that doesn't mean... That means bad things for Jamal Hill. And basically, the only real question about this fight is, can Jamal Hill stop Glover from taking him down? And can he miraculously land some big punches and knock... Uh, Glover out which is incredibly unlikely like the 
the odds makers should have this shit like wildly lopsided. They just should. Like, it's crazy to me that as of right now, Jamal Hill is a favorite? Like, I understand Glover Teixeira is old, and Jamal Hill is a incredibly athletically gifted dude that's, like, slightly better than, like, a Johnny Walker type. Possibly not even actually better than Johnny Walker, because at least Johnny Walker at the beginning, back when Johnny was reckless, because Johnny, when he was reckless, I believe was a genuinely better fighter. <laughs> um... It's just such a strange piece of matchmaking that makes no sense. Instead of just waiting, I, I understand like Jerry's shoulders probably can take forever to heal, but like just the ch- decision on who to do this with, and it's largely just because like, well, we need big guys to sell a pay per view. We can't sell a pay per view on like genuinely like the first, first maybe the first, but definitely the best like quadrilogy in you in like mma history that's like all the fights are great and it's a genuine coin flip as to who's actually gonna win this shit like figueredo and davison for that uh, davison figueredo and brandon moreno is like a genuinely much 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 better fight than glover share jamal, jamal hill like by leaps and bounds and you just go why are they the co oh right because they're small and i guess people don't want to pay for a pay-per-view when there are small guys it's just very weird and like just the way the ufc has always operated where they're like small guys can't be at the top of the bill you gotta have the big guys at the top of the bill because big guys are exciting and you're like and they also have their pay structure the same way like I guarantee you Glover and Jamal are getting paid more than Figueredo Moreno are getting paid despite the fact that both of those guys technically have belts right now like it's maddening for anyone who like genuinely enjoys the actual fighting itself (sighs) so yeah Deshera Jamal Hill is like there's not a lot of anal- analysis to be done because it's basically is Glover's chin still intact? Has he suddenly gotten old? I mean, he's always been old, but has his oldness suddenly mattered? Is that going to happen tomorrow, or uh, is it not? And Glover is just going to do to Jamal Hill what he did to Anthony Smith, because I. I refuse to believe that Jamal Hill is a better fighter than Anthony Smith. Maybe he hits a little harder, but I can't imagine it's much more than that. Um, maybe I'll eat my words. We'll see. I'll make another episode after the card just to like recap and see how things went and talk about it. But uh, yeah, this one, I see this one going pretty clearly in the way of Glover to share, which cool. Love the guy. He's old war horse. Nicest dude. Deserves it. But yeah. Just a weird ass piece of matchmaking. And really early for Hill. Unless certain things that aren't actually up to Jamal Hill happen. That happen to make this fight easier than it should be. Then we've got... Um, Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno is... 
the fourth fight between these guys who are just happen to be perfectly matched. Uh, it's absurdly close. And it's crazy to think about how this the first fight was kind of a just okay sure why not because it was it was um right after both of them had won fights brandon moreno had won a fight via basically via shoulder injury against brandon royval and he was just like oh figueredo also just had like a really fast finish let's do this next month or however quick it was and the UFC just went, okay, sure, why not? And because I, I imagine they just had a slot to fill where they're like, oh, we have to have a belt on this pay-per-view or something along those lines. And uh, just went, sure, why not? And so they had their first fight, which Brandon showed his guts and did an amazing job just like being a tough guy and really sh- like being immortal and <laughs> being incredibly durable and uh that fight ended up being a draw based on a point getting taken for uh groin strikes i believe um but that fight ended up being a draw due to a point being taken and then their second fight moreno really turned it up and pressured figueredo and was able to get the stoppage in that one was to get the stoppage by strikes and then their third fight the closest of their fights was like a ridiculously close decision that ended up going figueredo's way and then since then figueredo has not fought but moreno fought for the interim title against kaikar france which was a also a close crazy fight that ended up with Moreno landing like a liver kick um, and getting the interim belt. And now we've got this fourth one. And it's it's the beautiful thing about a fight like this. And sometimes it happens in trilogies, but this one's like a big quadrilogy where like, for example, it's, you can compare it to uh, DC and Stipe. Like Daniel Cormier and Stipe's third fight was just so like who knows what's gonna happen and especially because like you expected stipe to use the body shots and be like okay well clearly he's vulnerable to body shots i'm gonna start doing some stuff with this and then he just doesn't really like he'll okay he occasionally threw one but he didn't like really go to the well like he did at the end of that second fight between dc and stipe but uh like that one was such a crazy toss-up and this one feels the same way, where it's like, these two guys have fought so much, but I still have no idea who's actually... Like, I don't think either of them is actually any better. I think Moreno has evolved and changed as a fighter more, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's better. I think it's just made the matchup more interesting, because it makes it now not just a like, not just a coin flip, or a who's tougher who's getting old things like that it's like now it's more of like decision based now it's actually it's become more almost more technical now of like oh well like who's going to pressure harder who's going to use the right technique to make this happen it's like it 
it's gotten more interesting with time and i love that it's awesome and i'm not gonna make a strong prediction of one way or the other like i'm i would if i was making a dollar bet with a friend i would pick moreno but with no confidence because who the hell knows and that's what makes this fight so compelling because we've seen it so much and yet we still have no idea and every fight's been good that's another part of it is like there's been no stinkers like every all three of those fights have been good and hence why the ufc's willing to do a fourth one so yeah it's it's awesome and i'm that's the most exciting fight of the night in my opinion um next we have gilbert burns and neil magny man gilbert is just a g he just doesn't he's like yeah sure let's do this like to pretty much anybody like neil magny is number 12 gilbert's still at five and he just he couldn't care less now i suspect a part of that as will be reflected in the odds i think he's like a matt gilbert's a massive favorite right now for good reason neil magny if you don't let yourself fall into the typical trap that neil magny sets being hey i'm tall and not that strong you should clinch with me and when you do you notice like oh i'm actually like not that hard to control and then he goes but eventually you get tired and then neil magny's clinch becomes extremely effective that's not something that i suspect gilbert burns will fall into because Gil- if you clinch up with gilbert burns he's gonna throw you and start grappling with you and start doing things that you don't want to do um as well as gilbert burns is ungodly strong like i would strongly suspect that gilbert burns is much stronger than probably the last few guys neil has fought i mean Let's take a look at who the last few guys Neil Magny has fought, shall we? He has fought Daniel Rodriguez, which he won by by a Darce joke. He shot. He lost to Shavkat in the second round by a guillotine. He had a split decision with Max Griffin. And then had a decision win over Jeff Neal, which in which Jeff, I'm just screaming at the top of my lungs the entire fight he had with Jeff Neal at Jeff Neal to use body strikes. Because Jeff Neal, for some reason, likes to forget that the body exists and just like headhunts always. And it's like incredibly frustrating because it's like, dude, you can throw, you throw so heavy, you hit so hard why do you never go to the body and i'm like screaming it the entire time and then in the second half of the last of the third round you hear dc go man i think i think jeff neal would like do really well to like try to work the body a little more and i'm just like no fucking shit dc no kidding what a surprise to like think that all of a sudden buddy like oh i was so mad and jeff neal's always been like that like he has the power and the physical attributes to be so much of a better fighter than he is if he just had a little bit more variance in his game um but that's besides the point basically neil magny he's 
struggled against guys who are strong wrestlers and guys who leg kick, who have good leg kicks and body work. Like Neil Magny's legs especially, but his body also is there to be hit. Um, And it's like, it's just people who rush in, try to rush past his long range and try to headhunt that end up having, end up struggling with Jeff, with, uh, sorry, with, um, with Neil Magny. Um, like, Daniel Rodriguez was just like, okay, sure, I'll just do some clinching with you and try to box with you. And that's, that's the last thing you want to do with Neil Magny, because he can jab you up from all the way out, and he has a great, he has great technical clinch game. And D-Rod is not the sort of guy who's going to start, like, ripping hard shots or start elbowing on the break or things like that when he's clinching up with somebody. Um, so it's just like, I don't see him having a lot of chance against Gilbert, because Gilbert is so explosive and a great, genuinely a great wrestler and a great grappler that, like, and he has a, a furious powerful leg kick that like i mean he was getting kamzat to wobble on his on his calves a little bit just on like the power of his leg kicking and his low low kicks like yeah like i mean you saw how effective he was against kamzat who is every bit as long as neil magny um effectively and I just don't think Neil Magny is the same, can handle the same kind of intensity that Gilbert brings, especially when it comes to grappling. So that, mm, mm, like, I understand Neil Magny is also, much like Gilbert, is the like, I'll fight anybody sort of guy, which is awesome. But also I feel in this instance, it's gonna bite him in the ass and he's not gonna look good. He's going to have a really rough night against uh, Gilbert. Next, we have Lauren Murphy and Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade is back. Staying at 125 as just like a tiny tank. Um, and is probably going to do some like absurdly, just some crazy like strong person things. Like pick Lauren Murphy up and like throw her around. Um, will she use a jab? Maybe? Probably not. I feel there's a problem with a lot of like shorter, stockier fighters that they just believe that jabs don't work because their arms aren't long enough. Um, but that is not the case. Um, look at, I mean, a great example is Robert Whitaker versus Adesanya too. Bobby Knuckles has a significantly shorter reach than Adesanya, but his jab was very effective because he was able to jump in with it and jump out with it and be able to like follow up follow up the jab with like body work and like things like that like just because your reach is shorter doesn't mean that your jab isn't a extremely useful tool and in some cases vital um and i feel jessica andrage is kind of has that mentality where she could absolutely use the jab significantly more than she does and you could use it to set up those powerful hooks and set up the takedowns and do the other things she wants to do it's just, I, I think her game is right now just so limited and kind of works against her in a lot of ways where 
yeah, like you think like, oh, I'm stocky. I should use all my stock powers. And you go, well, yeah, but those still would be more effective if you could set them up better. I mean, a great example, again, is Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier. Like Dustin literally saying like, man, it's a good thing he just throws big loopy punches because if he threw straight, I'd probably have lost that fight. Like, just straight up honest with it. Like, man, I'm glad he throws big loopy ones because I was able to handle that. If he threw a couple straight ones, he probably would have put me out. Like, that's a genuine, like, yeah, it's a heat of the moment and, like, mildly talking shit. But also it's, like, a genuinely real criticism that is accurate. Um, And I feel the same as, same as the case with Jessica Andrade. Um, and Lauren Murphy... Lauren Murphy, it's not like she's massively improved. It's that Lauren Murphy is realizing her own toughness and is just kind of dogging it out lately. Um, so we'll see. I think that's one of the more interesting women's flyweight bouts we could have had. And it's actually doesn't bring the main card down, doesn't make the main card lamer. It's just like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and probably the next, probably whoever wins is going to end up fighting Shuchenko because they got to keep Shuchenko busy. And finally, that brings us to Paul Craig and Johnny Walker. The memeiest of meme fights you could possibly have. We're talking Paul gets beaten up on bottom until he miraculously wins by submission Craig. Like, versus Johnny Walker, who came in a really big, long, spazzy guy, striker, who then has just become something. Uh, he, it's There's no specific skills he's really developed. He's just kind of become more, seemingly more and more unsure about what he should be and incredibly hesitant and he's lost the like the chaos that uh he was for example able to beat khalil roundtree jr with back when roundtree hadn't gone had his crazy um tie transformation yet but like i he started training at spg which is fucking connor's gym with uh john kavanaugh and more and more as time goes on john kavanaugh comes across as more and more delusional i mean it's one of those situations where johnny walker has all the physical attributes you could ever want out of a light heavyweight that you would want to form into a champion but part of what made him work is that his is his excitement to be explosive and his like kind of chaotic style um which he just comes across as kind of stupid and uh weirdly lovably stupid but just stupid also and uh paul craig paul craig's not an idiot he knows what his skill set is and he's fully committed to that skill set and he doesn't really care like all his fights pretty much every fight he's in he gets beaten up and he's cool with it he's not delusional 
He doesn't pretend like, oh, I was winning that whole fight. Like, he has no delusions about what's going on. He just likes the way he fights and goes, well, this is the thing I'm good at, so if it works, awesome. If not, oh well, I'll get knocked out. Like, like Paul Craig just has this reckless abandon that a jiu-jitsu guy really shouldn't have. But it makes him so likable, and it works sometimes against some really good fighters. And uh, he also has had some decent striking as of late. Um, I mean, shit, he should have committed more to using it against Vulcan Uzdemir. Um, but he was just so insistent on trying to go to his, his base game, which is pulling guard and using bottom game jujitsu. But realistically... With the reckless pressure, he could have absolutely given Ozdemir way more problems on the feet. Um, I mean, he had Ozdemir hurt a couple times. And Paul Craig's striking isn't exactly amazing. So that's something that just gives me a lot more faith that Paul Craig can win this fight. Just because even though the results are unreliable, at least what he chooses to do is always reliable. You always know that he's going to like do something good. Um and he's going to really get after it whether it works or not. Whereas Johnny Walker is just a giant question mark. He's just a giant question mark wrapped up in physicality that sometimes will get utilized and sometimes won't. Um So yeah, I'm I'm definitely if I had a buck to put on it, I'd put it on Paul Craig. Paul Craig. No no questions asked. Um, we have... And that's... the, the This card's very top-heavy. It's very pay-per-view heavy. Um, which I guess is somewhat refreshing, if only the main event didn't kind of be pointless. Um, but it, at the same time, it's like, hey, like you actually like made an effort like the UFC actually made an effort to make the main event or the main card of a pay-per-view have things that might persuade someone to spend money on it. Um, while it's far from what you would hope, it's still more, a lot more than they've been doing lately. They've had some ass pay-per-views over the last few months. But uh, on to the prelims, there's really only a couple things I'm even going to bother mentioning. Firstly, the ghost of the ghost of the corpse of Mauricio Shogunhua is fighting um this some Ukrainian guy and he's already said it's his retirement fight, which if Frankie Edgar's last fight is anything to go by, is just a really bad omen. Like, just don't say that. Don't do it. It's a mistake. Um and honestly, I think it's awful that he still is fighting. I I think he should have quit a long time ago. I mean, look at it this way. People will say, oh, but Glover Teixeira is older than him. You go, yeah, but also Glover Teixeira wasn't fighting like elite level competition until he joined the UFC in 2012. Shogun Hua was in pride fighting rampage in 2003 well he might not have been, i forget he might not have been fighting rampage but he was in pride 
in 2003, bro. Like, come on. This guy, because it, like the old Indiana Jones quote, it's, it's not, it's not the years, it's the mileage. And who boy does Shogun Hua have a lot of miles on the clock? Like, fuck, man. I mean, I think his last win was against Little Nog when Little Nog was 44 and had an absurd amount of miles on him. Like, and I guess before that was Tyson Pedro, who was like really green at the time. Like, it's just. It's like the Frankie Edgar situation. Frankie Edgar should have retired a couple years ago. We didn't need to see him get from flying knee KO'd multiple times. Like, I feel the same way about Shogun. Like, his legacy is in stone. He doesn't, he shouldn't keep fighting. Like, I don't know if it's financial troubles or whatever, why he kept doing it, but man, like, it's tough to watch. And I hope he doesn't just get blasted by the young up-and-comer as his retirement. Because that shit fucking sucks and it hurts every time we see it when that happens to a fighter. Um, and then the only other one I'm going to... Or the only other couple I'm going to bother mentioning is uh, Gregory Hobocop Rodriguez. Rodriguez. Um, Robocop... He has a last-minute replacement, Brazilian local guy. Eh, who knows? But Robocop's dope, so maybe he'll have a good fight with a guy we've never heard of, or maybe he'll just blast the dude. We'll see. Um, last-minute replacements are always weird like that. Uh, Shamil Abdurahimov and Jayton Almeida at heavyweight? Um, Jason Almeida is like a ridiculous favorite, like 975, like minus 975 favorite, like laughable favorite. And I suspect it's largely, it's, I suspect it's not skill-based. It's just because Jason Almeida is in good shape and Shamil is really not. Um, Yeah. It's kind of that simple, and I hate to say that. Um, and there's a couple of Brazilian Brazilian dudes who are brothers. Uh, one of them's fighting Monir Lazez, who's that Tunisian guy who, like, everybody was, like, jizzing their pants over his, like, striking, when in reality he's just, like, a lanky boy who kicks and jabs um, and has decent power. And then the other brother is fighting Terrence McKinney, so, alright. And this is what, I feel like watching this is going to be weird just because these brothers look like the exact same human. Like, you look at their pictures on the UFC website, like, their faces are the same. And you're like, is this dude just going to, like, wait cut for one fight and, like, not cut for the other one? Like, I love to think that, like, this is just one dude pretending he's two dudes so he can double up on his prize money. <laughs> I know that's not real, but I think that'd be really, really funny. Um, 
and I wish that was a real thing that happened. It would certainly be more interesting than the main event. <laughs> oh yeah, and Cody Stamen's back. He's been weirdly inconsistent. And also needs to be taught how uncool Spartans actually are. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for that from someone if they bother to say anything, but I always do when I do, like, oh yeah, the Spartans actually are kind of uncool. <laughs> like, you're like, what about what about Thermopylae? And it's like, yeah, it's not actually that special. It's a choke point is what made that work. It wasn't just like a giant empty field with one giant army on one side and 300 dudes on the other side. Like, they literally used, like, topographical advantage in a choke point so that they would only have to fight so many dudes at once like that's how that f battle actually went it wasn't like just 300 dudes being superheroes against crowds and just like we're gonna fucking it's not like dudes swinging it's it's not like sauron in the intro to fellowship of the ring just like smashing five dudes with a swing of his mace like that's the the kind of image people like to conjure up when they talk about how the spartans you know 300 fought thousands or whatever and it's like actually it's a lot of it has to do with strategic placement and the actual like topography the battle took place on <sighs> not not the point um cody stamen has, has calls himself the spartan and he's fighting a guy who has a black belt tattooed on his chest a brazilian guy because almost every fight on this card has a Brazilian person in it. Let me see. Brazil, 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 Brazil. Yeah, so li quite literally, their pay-per-view in Brazil, there is a Brazilian fighter in every single fight on the card. So, I mean, they know their audience. Even if a lot of those people are incredibly forgetful, like, forgettable. Like, I've never heard of these brothers before. Um, but, you know, we'll see. See how it goes. At the end of the day, I think that Glover Teixeira is going to win his belt back. And regardless of the stupid circumstances, I think that's an incredibly wholesome result. Because the dude's an old warhorse and determined and so, like likable and just a cool guy i mean fuck wasn't he on dancing with the stars or some shit and he was just this like adorable no 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 no. that was uh that was jds but it's a similar likability and like niceness to junior dos santos like they're saying the same kind of adorable so regardless of the stupid nature of it i think it would be wholesome to see glover to share a win again and get a belt even though it's clearly belongs to jiri but then the jury of match will have to happen as long as jiri's shoulder is not completely fucked and will heal in a reasonable amount of time <sighs> well anyway this has been the spokes and chokes podcast um next one i'm gonna do a year wrap-up for 2022 it's gonna have a lot of stupid shit in it like um the usuals, best fight, etc. Like, best knockout and stuff. But then it's also going to have things like, uh... Just all the dumb shit that happened. But also appreciate the cool shit that happened. And, like, appreciate cool fighters that are doing things like... 
fucking Drew Dober being like, I am immortal, so I'm going to do immortal things, and it works. Um, so that's going to be the next one. I'm going to try and crank out. Um, I'm going to try and actually be consistent and do these weekly. It does mean they're probably going to be a little bit shorter. They're going to be in like the 30-minute range. At least a bunch of the time. Just so I can like kind of get my thoughts out quickly and not have to try and like kill time or like talk about fights that no one actually wants to hear about. Um, and I'll just like, it'll be easier to like find the time just because like I do still want to ride my bike and I still want to talk about BMX things too. And I'm going to try and put together something for that as well. Talk about the year in BMX as well and all the rad shit that happened and all the rad people in it. Um, I'm also trying to put out an edit that I'm like just finished up and then I'm filming for another one. And like, there's, I got a lot going on or at least it feels like I do. So squeezing the podcast is just going to be easier if I'm not super concerned about trying to make sure it's an hour long. So, uh, for those of you who, a handful at most of you that like actually listen to these things, I greatly appreciate it, and hopefully I can keep it actually going and uh, not have it be terrible. So thank you again for listening, dudes, and uh, I'll catch you next time.